be back with another episode of the Ricky Henderson Podcast, the greatest of all podcasts at GOAP. We are here with David Peters. He's part of the Howard Terminal Community Benefit Steering Committee. He's also the founder of the Black Liberation Walking Tour. Uh, Dave, he's super invested in this whole process. He's been, he's definitely been part of this, uh, put a big part of the community getting their input in. David, thanks. Uh, also known as Bleacher Dave on Twitter. This is probably how you know him, Bleacher Dave. Uh, David, how you doing, man? Thank you so much. Hey, it's good to be here with you, Alex. Love the blog and the content that you're putting together and the stuff you're doing. So I appreciate it, man. Thanks. I, 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 I yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, I, I've been. I think I took some photos of you back in the day when I was roaming around uh, for for MLB and uh, and stuff like that when you were waving flags and stuff like that. So. Uh, so, so yeah, I'm just curious, you know, today was the, the big July 20th city council vote that, uh, that Dave Cavill has been um, whipping up. And um, even though it was kind of ceremonious, uh, I, I think it's pretty, uh, it's kind of like a litmus test is what I was saying. Uh, how are you feeling after today's uh, city council? They're, they voted six to one in favor, essentially to keep negotiating with the A's. Um, I, I feel about like I did yesterday. You know, I think it was... I think for a long while now, we knew that the council was going to vote for it, right? Because it was the whole intent of the city staff to give the council something that they could vote yes on, as opposed to, you know, what the A's had proposed, you know, the council would have had to vote no on. And mm -hmm. so this big to-do, you know, people were like, oh my God, how's the council going to vote? They're going to vote for it. Because yeah. the staff is going to give them something they can vote for, mm -hmm. um, but now the you know the shoe is really on the other foot or you know bottom mm -hmm. of the inning. It's the other way around, and it's no longer um, will the city agree to the A's terms. It's now okay, A's. You wanted a vote on a proposed term sheet by July twentieth. That's what you got. Now what happens? What is the A's response going to be? Yeah, I mean, what, what do you what do you think about the posture that uh, Cavill and the A's have taken? Um, it seems like you know the city council is here; they're ready to go, um, and and Cavill is kind of standoffish. It seems like uh, you know you know to to keep on the go. I, I don't know who knows. They're probably figuring out their strategy right now and how it's going to be uh, relayed to the public. Uh, what do you think about the posture that uh, Cavill took? It kind of seems like he's he's kind of putting like a, a our way or the highway kind of energy out there right now from the A's. Man, that's been his energy for too long, right? Yeah. I mean, as as you've seen, as you heard from some of the council members, as you heard from from many of the commenters, part of the problem is just how the A's have behaved. You know, the perception of you know people, Oakland residents who are not A's fans, especially. Oakland residents who are A's fans and A's fans in general, the A's have went out of their way to torture us. They have. And mm -hmm. so as, you know, as a, as a resident, more importantly, as, as a council who's hearing from a lot of the residents, um, to put them in that position with what seems like just nonsensical, gratuitously infuriating behavior just really just doesn't make any sense. It just really yeah. doesn't. Yeah, I thought it was interesting how, how they, they made a point to talk about the tweets that Cavill sent from Vegas and stuff like that. You could tell that they were really perturbed by that. And they, you know, some people were tweeting like, yeah, they, they clearly feel disrespected by Cavill throughout this whole process, you know? So I, I don't and know. And so yeah. for me, I'm like, get over it. You know, somebody said something, you know, tweeted something at me like, oh, I guess David Peters finally figured out that billionaires don't care about him. Guess what? Nobody cares about you. 
for me, <laughs> that has nothing to do with this. This is a business negotiation. I don't need Dave Cowboy A's to like me or City or, or nothing like that. It just It's irrelevant to me. And so a lot of people, I got the undies all in a bundle about, oh, they said they're rooted in Oakland and they're really not. Guess what? It was a marketing slogan. Get over it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's no more important than, you know, people in the TV commercials that tell you if you buy this brand of toothpaste, you'll find, you know, the love of your dreams. It, it don't work <laughs> that way. Don't yeah. believe the hype. It, I yeah. just, I just, I'm so over the, the notion that, um, you know, the way that Dave Cavill and Ace handled this is they're mean and they're jerks and therefore we shouldn't um, cut a deal with them. I'm like, I don't care. Just yeah. cut a deal that's yeah. enforceable. Um, it's nicer when you're when you're dealing with people who are nice, but that's you know very frequently not the case. So what? Yeah, yeah. It's business. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and you're a key member of the steering committee. I, I'm curious, can you provide more in, uh, just kind of you know, perspective on how big that committee is? How often you've been meeting with the A's? Do you feel like you've been heard by the A's? Uh, can you just describe kind of like the machinations behind that, how that whole process works? Yeah, I'd, I'd say I was a member. I don't know if I'm a key member, but I'm a member. And so there's, okay. it's a 21-person steering committee. Uh-huh. Um, you've got A's, City, Port, and then the two... Um, kind of lead nonprofit agencies, the Oakland Asian um, Chinatown Cultural Center, and then mm-hmm. the West Oakland Environmental Indicators Project, and then 16 community members. And so there's eight, there's two from each of eight topic cohort committees. One of those two people in each of the committees had to be from one of the four impacted neighborhoods. And then the other person could be just uh, an Oakland stakeholder you know, live or work uh, or own a business in the city. To Mm -hmm. me, this was really important and really novel because it gave somebody like me, who is just a regular, you know, grassroots person who lives in the community and not part of, um, you know, one of the bigger coalitions or community-based organizations that negotiates um, CBAs all the time. Um, broadly around issues, but really gave an opportunity for people who live in the impacted neighborhoods to bring, to be on the committee. And that's different. And so I thought that was entirely um, important and a breakthrough to allow that grassroots participation. And so then what we did is we looked at uh, what's called the baseline equity indicators report, which is just a slice of the city's department of race and equities um, racial despair, race, just racial metrics. And so, mm-hmm. for example, we looked at that. And we saw that black households in West Oakland make 30% of white households. We saw that the amount, the percentage of black households in, with housing insecurity in West Oakland is 60%. You know, we know from some other statistics um, that a black child born in, in West Oakland has a statistically a 10 year shorter lifespan than kids born in the hills. And so we started with this this racial disparity data. And then our whole charter of this committee was to come up with recommendations to address those disparities. We're not gonna Mm -hmm. fix them. We're not gonna close them. We just wanted to address them. And so that um, was the rationale, the reason the charter around 144 recommendations that, that we came up with across eight different topic cohorts and I I Mm -hmm. co-chaired history and culture okay 
Yeah. So we met with we met um, monthly, mm-hmm. starting uh, wow, eighteen months ago, like February twenty twenty. You know, right before I think we had a couple yeah. of persons before yeah. COVID. Before um, you know, the A's had a representative. You know, A's City Port. Um, mm-hmm. Their representatives were there. They had Lydia Tan was heading up their real estate piece for a long time. You know, Lydia Tan is extremely well respected in um, the housing industry. She has profit experience both at nonprofit affordable housing developers and for profit. Uh, and I was frankly stunned when she resigned and left. Uh, at that point, I was like, "Well, there's something hanky going on with this real estate." Well, thing. You mean she was with the A's? She was she was representing. The yeah, A's? she was yeah. she was yeah. she was head of the real estate for the A's. A's oh, had yeah. hired her specifically for this project. Interesting. And um, something went, something happened last September. I think the A's um, said that she would no longer, she would no longer be the A's representative to the steering committee, which was a shocker. And then uh, like a week later after that, she resigned. And so I, I took that as a really bad sign um, of the A's good faith to get this, to, to get this done. Um, they no longer had a credible leader around real estate development and affordable housing. Maybe the reason was, had something to do with the A's reticence to fulfill their legal requirement around affordable housing. I don't know, but I just thought that was a really bad sign. So we met with them um, um, monthly. I've been part of another group, West Oakland Benefits for Equity, which is strictly a group of West Oakland residents that's Mm -hmm. been meeting about two years now um, around this community benefit stuff, just because um, there's so much suspicion from the community from mm-hmm. long experience of things not working out. Um, and so we get, and so that, that was kind of the process. And so we started off with these monthly steering committee meetings before them, you know, each topic cohort would meet um, with community members, you know, once or twice, once or twice or month or, or weekly, mm-hmm. depending on the topic cohort. And so we were, went out, our charge was to go out and engage people in our community to get their input on this. And so this is not just the ideas of these 21 people in the room. You've actually ended up engaging hundreds of people to come and bring their ideas and their recommendations to address these racial inequities. And I think you see this because the, the CBA, and, and I really think it's a misnomer to call it a community benefits agreement. I, I'll call it a, a reparative community investment agreement instead. The breadth of the suggestions is so much broader than anything I'd seen before in any other CBA agreement around here that it's really uh, of a next level um, kind of undertaking. And so it was really the committee members, the committee members talking to each other. Um, the A's were there, were, were there listening. I don't think they, I don't think Lydia or when it became Taj Deshambe really um, had anything to say except in response um, to a direct question. And the port was there. I think one of the things that is crucially important that, that folks aren't looking at or talking about is that the port has committed to funding the CBA. And I know that activists in West Oakland have been after the port since at least 1970 to share uh, some of the profits, some of the economic activity um, back with this community. So that's really a novel breakthrough. Mm-hmm. I'm just get poor participation, but so that was kind of it. It was, it was, yeah, it was. That was our process. Now I got to say this: somewhere Dude. along the way, it wasn't into. And so we were asking the A's, and I'll say me, a couple of things. One, what's your commitment for the amount of dollars you're going to put in the CBA? 
we started asking the A's, asking that of the A's from day one. Yeah. Never say anything. Um, Carol Fife started bringing that up uh, in that in that July seventh meeting, that study session. She was bringing that up. Um, I feel like her her line of questioning has been pretty direct and and pretty spot on with, especially with yeah. Cavill. You know, uh, I mean, do you do you feel like the A's in the city are taking your 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 demand seriously though? I mean, it seemed like Kaplan today. She specifically mentioned some of the some of the key things that you've been you've been talking about too. Um, so especially in some of the amendments and stuff like that uh, yeah. that, that that were put in today. You know, yeah, so this is interesting. So, um, yeah, I think the city is taking them seriously. I think the city staff is taking them really seriously. I mean, the city staff is who had to go and negotiate with the A's for these past few months. Um, once since the, once the A's dropped their proposal, which is never going to work, um, you know, the city staff had to come up with something that the council could vote for, and it had to include. Um, it would you would hope it would have included many of the things that the CBA steering committee recommended. Um, and I think the staff did a good job of, of representing that. Um, but you know, you come to the end, it becomes a political process when, when you know, council or the mayor or you know, people in the city administrator's office and or on the council are now influencing, I think, what we saw today. And so I think they took it very seriously. Clearly the A is not taken seriously at all. I mean, we found out, the steering committee found out in April, you know, when the NAs dropped that, their term sheet, that mm -hmm. they intended to contribute $0 to the agreement, which was a shocker and a stunner, pissed everybody off. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and so that, that was just the lack of um, transparency around that, um, cost a lot of goodwill. Now, I can also say on the other side that because they were basic, they were just basically committing future tax increments. They weren't just being like, "Hey, yeah. here's here's like 150 million dollars from yeah. from the A's to yeah. to you know some some like a blank, not a blank, but yeah, basically a blank check or you know a, a sizable check uh, to to help out, you know, from their pockets." Yeah, yeah, because yeah. this is because this is how these work. I mean, this is our model and understanding yeah. of how CBAs work. You know, and you know, go to you know to Inglewood. You know, Ballmer broke off 100 million for Clippers. Uh, you know, Google's going to pay 200 million to to San Jose. Um, you know, if you look at an Oakland context, um, you know, it was um, Panoramic Interest paid one million dollars for for their 30 story uh, residential um, building that they're putting up on on West on Seventh Street. And so, if you think about that. A one million dollars is the size of a CBA from a private developer. I think that might be the biggest one that we've got. And now we're looking at 411 million from the city. And so I think it's important to, to realize that our charter of our group was to address these racial disparities. These disparities caused by government. You know, it was the Oakland Redevelopment Agency that tore down 50 blocks in West Oakland. You know, and, and I don't remember the tearing down, but there's plenty, there's, you know, newspaper articles that show you that, you know, the company that did it got a World War II tank and just ran it down to smash people's houses. Are, are you talking about the acorns when they put in the acorns yeah. and stuff like that? Yeah. 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 I, I was reading about that. Yeah. I was reading about that, man. Yeah. And I, I can remember when I was a kid, um, you know, young kid, just, there's no, it was just flat ground. Mm -hmm. This very huge swath of West Oakland. So, 
I'd, I'd say that the city owes this community a debt for doing that. And they're only one of the actors. I mean, we got redlining and uh, segregation and predatory mortgage lending. And so all layers of government had a hand in it. But certainly, you know, Oakland City Council, uh, you know, decades ago, and, and some would say even currently, um, continue to bear. And so I would say they, the current council, the city, bears a responsibility to redress those grievances because there are people um, that have been affected by that directly and are still alive and still around mm. um, who lost their homes and more importantly the community was destroyed and so everybody knows what else part and post office and, you know all the things that destroyed um, the black business and commercial district in west oakland and so i would say that it is government's responsibility to fix that and to, and they're not gonna fix it, but to redress it and address it. And that's what this does. And so currently, you know, the, it, go, it asks for nothing above what the A's have to legally pay, which is unfortunate. And I think the city council can address that by passing legislation that will require CBAs in certain mm -hmm. circumstances. But I also think there's an important difference here. This isn't a community benefits agreement. This is a reparative community investment agreement. And it, this is, may very well be the first one of its type in the country. And I think we should be plow, proud of the way it went about, you know, data-based, community-driven, um, and, and city-funded to repair and redress, address these uh, mm. Yeah, I, I thought Councilmember Dan Cobb brought up an interesting point a couple of weeks ago. He said, you know, on his face, 400 million sounds like a lot of money. But if you spread that out over 66 years, it only comes out to about six or seven million dollars a year. Uh, do you feel like this is uh, this is sufficient for for what the what the community needs? And um, and it's going to be commensurate with the impact that the that the stadium would can have on over the 66 years. I mean, six million a year now. I mean, it, in 20 years, it's going to be like nothing, you know? I mean, uh, do, do you feel like that's enough of a monetary, like does it need to be a bigger uh, commitment, you know, either monetarily or in another way? If you ask me, that's not nearly enough, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm biased. Um, and, so what I, what I, and so I'll put it in context. I'll think about it a different way. So I did, the, I present value that, you know, I, I, I think I did it right. And so that equals like $150 million lump sum payment the current equivalent um maybe i did that wrong but that's same and so you got to also remember okay, that, that that, well, well that that puts it in the easier con because you know 411 million over 66 years that's hard to contextualize yeah, yeah. to say yeah to say it would be uh, like 150 million to debt because um, some chunks of that are front loaded right and so, so if you look at that schedule that came out from the city um there's several funding streams that are going to pay you know, so I forgot what it is, 20, I think 20 million in the first 10 years or something like that. Um, so those, those come up um, and now I'll contextualize it because I'll go, okay, well, if $1 million, a one-time $1 million payment is the biggest CBA in the Oakland's history before, 411 million over 66 years is a hell of a lot more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think we got, I think we got to contextualize it that way, we also have to realize it was a demand of the seat of the steering committee that the benefits flow in over the 66 year term of the contract. What we definitely didn't want to do was get a one time payment up front. We wanted to make sure that their revenues poured in 
you know, mm-hmm. over the term of the agreement. But, but you know, I certainly figured that this would be something the A's would be funding over the life of the agreement from their profits. And so, you know, I, while I can be, um, you know, very unhappy and dissatisfied at both the fact that the A's don't seem to be kicking in at this point, and I hope the city continues to negotiate with them on that. And I hope the A's mm-hmm. see fit to do right on that. Um, and also go, well, you know, six, $6 million a year is not very much, but then I can think of, you know, the East, I can think of two black led projects in West Oakland right now that $6 million would create housing units for these, for these properties. And these are, um, you know, the, the, these are you know, East, the East Bay People's Real Estate Cooperative. Um, is is buying Esther's Orbit Room. He has a vision for three or four other cultural sites on 7th Street to preserve those. And they're trying to raise money. They don't have the money. I mean, they're raising money. They'll get the money. They've got a lot of funders and a lot of support, um, but they just got a capital funding gap. The, you know, $6 million would fill their $3 million gap for this year. There's another building, you know, it's like 20 townhomes um, not far from me. Uh, that another organization is trying to put together and they and they want to make it um, moderate income ownership opportunity. So in essence, you know, the person would be buying below market rate. So mm-hmm. they need some money to fill that gap. And so there are these things that are out there and it becomes real easy to go, oh, six million dollars is not that much money. In the grand scheme of things, it's not. But if what you're getting right now is zero, yeah, <laughs> million dollars makes a can make a meaningful difference um, to some organizations and some projects in this community. So I would mm-hmm. be I would caution anybody who wants to minimize that number and challenge them to write that six million dollar check if they think it's that much. Okay, uh, once I get my six million, I'll come back to you. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, um, I mean, in so the city staff. Uh, Betsy Lake, uh, the, the assistant uh, city administrator, and Molly Mayburn, the project manager, they kind of been the spearhead of this. Uh, they mentioned a uh, like the creation of a community advisory committee and an appointed fund manager to kind of run it uh, like an endowment fund. Uh, 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 this the sixty six year community fund to be kind of run with uh, five to ten year uh, visions and plans. Uh, do you feel like that's the the right way to to do this and um, yeah, what do you think about that structure? Just the kind of governance structure that they've. Proposed? Yeah, I, I think it's the right. I think it's. I think a structure like that <laughs> is what we need because this will, you know, this will outlast uh, anybody who's <laughs> who's talking right now. now. Yeah, I think, right. <laughs> yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm trying to think about the youngest person. Yeah, some of the <laughs> youngest people got a shot. Yeah. Uh, and so we need to have a body that can oversee this. But here, here's where I'm. You know, here's where I'm troubled and. and you know, it's certainly, um, you know, maybe just because, uh, maybe it's certainly parochial just because I've been involved. And so when we started, you know, it was clear to the committee that we needed to have a, a mechan- an oversight and enforcement mechanism for over the term of this. Um, and, you know, what kind of body would that be? And, what that be? and so we, we talked about it, but because we all thought that we were going to sign a term sheet with the agency and the port, it was like, okay, let's get closer to, you know, what's going to go in the term sheet and we'll figure out the oversight body later. Now, I'm a little, and so we, the, the steering committee always figured that it, its members uh, would bring the work that we'd done, uh, you know, a back, a background and context and intent 
to the process and carry it through. What, what's happening now is you're getting a lot of the community-based groups that negotiate CBAs for a living have, are now going to council um, and going, well, well, you know, we should be, we are, we should be doing the enforcement and oversight because, you know, we know how to do this and we've done it before. And so the whole implementation of the community benefits uh, is something that had concerned me before I got involved in this process. It's still, because ultimately it's a political process about getting, you know, whatever structure that's going to take. Um, and who's going to get appointed to it. And I believe that the steering committee members um, are the folks that should be pulled from primarily. It should be central to this oversight body. Um, and not saying that others can't be included or shouldn't be included, but I certainly believe that the steering committee members should be centered in this conversation because we've been in it and know the intent um, mm -hmm. for a long time. And so that was one of the challenges, frankly, I had with um, some of the amendments today. Okay. And, well, and, and what do you think about the A's? Do you feel like they're taking enough responsibility? I mean, and they've listed some big dollar amounts. They're quick to throw out the $450 million thing. But I mean, it doesn't really seem like they've thought about the creation of any, you know, dedicated staff or, um, you know, like a committee like this, something like this community advice. They, they didn't really, I haven't seen any ideas for that. Uh, I haven't seen anything outside of money. Do you feel like they should... Uh, dedicate more resources and you know maybe create a position or a, a few positions that will be here for the life of this project to serve kind of as a liaison to the community and see what the needs are or anything like that no no i, I never i never at some point along the way i was like you know the a's don't have a role here to play in the in the administration and the oversight of this we just need their money <laughs> okay just, you know it was like just just turn over the cash and get out of the way um, and let you know community okay. figure out how to do this because you know, okay. like you said it's like an endowment it goes to you know one of the one of the foundations around here to hold the money and manage it you know develop the, whatever the rules are around um, dispersing it and then you've got somebody some group um, that makes those decisions um, but yeah so the A's could have um, the, so this is one of the things that that kills me. And so Duke keeps going, um, Dave Cavill keeps going, oh, we <laughs> pledge $450 million in community benefit. It's not your money to pledge. This is the city's, you know, EIFD's revenues. And they have to, if you look through all the, the detail, those projects have to be described, you know, at the time you formed it. It's, the A's have no role in determining how much money should go to the CBA from the IFD, nor in what those projects should be. And so every time I hear Dave Cowell say, we're pledging, I'm like, no, you're not pledging anything. You don't, it's not your money. Mm -hmm. you know, so you're, you're really trying to make this promise that you've got nothing to do with. And I think that's one of the things that turns you know, so many people off. Yeah, um, yeah so could they have, and so I, I'm probably more upset about the fact that they let go of so much of just the community relations staff, right? And so just the people that the A's had out coming out in the community and, you know, coming to an event, coming to community and just being around and just doing stuff um, that, that they had been on staff for a long time mm -hmm. that are no longer there. I think that's a bigger miss and loss for them than trying to do something specifically 
you know, around the, 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 community, the community investment agreement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and um, I, the, first ter- uh, the first time I ever heard the term redlining was from you. I did some research on that. And, um, you know, I, I knew that West Oakland, uh, you know, had a lot of issues with that before, but I, I didn't realize the, the extent of it. Um, you know, even dating back to like, I think it was the, I did some research because I was at my, my family friend's house and he had a poster. He was like, yeah, check this out. Like this used to be seventh street in West Oakland. And I was, I, I had no idea. It was like, he's like, yeah, it was a Harlem of the West. You never heard of that. I was like, no, I didn't even know that. You know, I'm 30, I'm 34 now. So um, I, I'm curious, can you tell people just kind of what redlining is, how it applies to West Oakland um, historically? And it's happened multiple times in multiple, uh, you know, multiple different eras because of multiple things. Um, and, and I just kind of want to bring more awareness to the, you know, the, the terrible things that have really happened to the West Oakland community since the 40s, you know? Yeah, now this, this, is a, this is a fundamental thing to understand about why our cities and suburbs look the way they do now. I think a lot of, you know, some people would go, oh, the reason that we've got chocolate cities and vanilla suburbs is because, you know, the Black people all just wanted to live by each other and never wanted to live in the suburbs and, you know, and that's why. But that's, this is not how we end up with this kind of spatial arrangements in our in our metroplexes. Um, redlining was developed in the 30s, or maybe even starting in the late 20s. I think it's the Home mm-hmm. Owners Loan Corp from um, from the U.S. federal government. It's the entity that preceded um, the uh, not HUD, but the um, the banking rules. Anyway, so what they did is they sent out. Um, real estate agents, other folks, to catalog uh, each neighborhood by what they thought would be its loan risk rating. And I think those went from A to E. And the ones that were red uh, were not eligible for federal government mortgage loan guarantees. And so that means that if you wanted to um, borrow money to buy a house, to rehab your house, to invest in the business, to, you know, anything that had to do with mortgage lending, residential or commercial, um, you had to pay a much higher rate than somebody in, in another neighborhood. And so that was, you know, all of the flats in Oakland, basically, you know, 24, 980 running between uh, MLK and Telegraph follows that red line. You know, you will hear um, the red line was actually, I think, went up to Telegraph. And so it was very common to, to see freeways built along these red lines uh, because they didn't want to, you know, governments would much rather tear up you know, minority communities than white communities to put in these big, you know, infrastructure projects. And so that was kind of phase one is that, and it didn't matter, it's important to think, it didn't matter what color you were. If you, we're trying to borrow against a red line property. If you could get a loan at all, it was going to be at a much higher interest rate than it would have been in, you know, someplace you know that wasn't redlined uh, because without that mortgage guarantee. The other side of that coin is, you know, in the and so they they did that. The government did that because you know the government used to not back mortgage loans. And so you had really high interest rates, like 10-year term. Very few people in America owned a home, you know, back when, before suburbs, you had, you know, urban areas, and people were generally renters, overwhelmingly number of renters, only really wealthy people owned something. 
So the government went, you know, we're worried about, you know, those Bolsheviks in, in Russia. And if we can get more Americans to own their homes, that'll be a bulwark against socialism. So let's get people you know, in this ownership thing. And he said, oh, we'll create a government agency. We'll, we'll, um, we'll guarantee mortgage loans and that will stimulate lending by the banking industry. And then you know, now we end up with 70% of Americans or so owning their homes. And it comes out of that government policy. Mm-hmm. A couple of decades later, in the 50s, what you got was, you know, after World War II, you had so many returning servicemen, there just wasn't enough places for people to live. Um, you know, around here in Oakland during the war, there's not mm-hmm. enough places for people to live. You know, you had stories of, you know, you got to... Yeah, it got overcrowded, place. right? It got really overcrowded. Yeah, overcrowded. Right? You know, yeah. you had people, you get to sleep, they have eight hours in your in your place that you're renting, right? And you get out. So, that, you know, you got three, eight hour sleepers. Um, tremendously overcrowded. Um, and so you had all these returning servicemen and then you know, what are you going to do? So the government, you know, it was a big scheme to um, invent suburbs. This is, this is an invention. And so what the government did is it said, okay, developer, we will give you a mortgage, a loan guarantee for your suburban development if you make it racially restrictive and, and whites only. And if you don't, we won't give you this guarantee, which of course then makes your interest rate that you would go to a bank, borrow higher, and it makes you non-competitive and you can't get it built um, because you would have to charge so much more uh, than the other guy who did that. And so that's San Lorenzo. And so the way this works, and this comes together in, in my family, in this house that I'm in now, uh, my grandfather was next door in the 50s, the Bazana family in the mid 50s moved to the whites only segregated and federally subsidized um, suburb of San Lorenzo. Mm-hmm. Can't Nobody can get a loan to buy the house. So he carries a note, tells it to my grandpa and, and I'm here now. And so, you know, we experienced this, the redlining that did not allow him to get a mortgage or to borrow against, you know, his homes for decades and decades um, and, and depressed values in, you know, red line communities everywhere across the country. This is nationwide things that were happening. And then you see it in what happens in West Oakland. So nobody in West Oakland get a mortgage loan. Well, you can't fix up your property, whether you're a landlord or, yeah. you, or you're then, a homeowner. You yeah. can't get a home mortgage loan to fix up your house. And it just and it gets run down. And then yeah. the government comes in and goes, oh, this neighborhood blighted. We're going to run a tank through here and knock it all down. And then we're going to put down the bar, you know, put in the post office because it's all blighted. And, the bar, and then you kill, you know, yeah. the commercial. Yeah. Same thing over here in San Pablo and Telegraph. And so these business communities, these businesses, they suffer and eventually dwindle uh, because the people who are living in these neighborhoods don't have access to capital. Yeah. So you got me fired about something I'm passionate about. No, no, I appreciate it because, <laughs> no, I know because it, it's it's decades long because I, I was reading, like you said, you know, so so those people can't repair their houses. Um, and then then along comes the Housing Act of 1949, which basically, like you said, you know, it's like, hey, this is urban blight. We need to renew this area. Uh, we, we have legislation now. We can knock down your house. And the problem there was they didn't think of displacement strategies. So like uh, I was reading an article that said 9000 people were dis- displaced to put in the Acorn apartment complexes. Uh, and then 400 more houses were destroyed in 1960 to put in the, that post office. 
And then a lot of people say that like the nail in the coffin for 7th Street was really the Bart when they put that there because nobody wanted to be walking around there when the loud, you know, the loud ass Bart is literally going overhead 24 hours a day or, you know, all day long. So, I mean, how can Oakland avoid doing this again? <laughs> I guess it's the hard, you know, this has historically happened. So, I mean, how, it, it, do you feel like that is, um, you, you know, how, how can Oakland avoid doing that again? with this uh, project man. this massive you know yeah man if i if i knew that I'd <laughs> <laughs> this is the problem yeah. nobody knows i mean this is yeah. really complex stuff with lots of dependencies and so if i come back to it there there's one thing at the root of it and that's the high cost of affordable housing if it costs and this is the the metrics that the city is using today in the term sheet that uh, each unit at Howard Terminal is, they're saying $700,000 to construct. If you have to pay $700,000 just to build it, it's not affordable. It's not going to be affordable. And so how do we come up with strategies to be able to create um, affordable housing when it, the, it costs so much to build it, you know, the, the amount of cost to build it is not affordable. Well, right now we do a couple of things. One of which is we make, uh, you know, private for-profit developers uh, pay an impact fee or to build units on site. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, the, the requirement's so low, you know, it could be 8%. We see a lot of 8% affordable units um, that, it, that it, you know, so it's, this is hard to say. Does it make, you know, many people would say it doesn't make a meaningful like the 400 because right now i think the proposals well the city actually upped it they said they want to do 35 percent, 15 percent on site so 450 yeah. of the 3,000 yeah. units and then another i still don't understand how the, the they arrive at 20 percent if it's off site um like you know i i don't understand how they they, they reach that uh number but um but right they, now they, yeah they got they got to that because the cba steering committee wants 35 percent affordable and they came up with fifteen yeah. percent on site. That would lead to twenty, you know, off site to get there. Yeah, but but so, I don't. So I don't. I guess I don't understand like where that twenty is that twenty percent out of the three thousand total units. So that's like another nine hundred off site units yeah. they're going to build. So they're going to build nine hundred apartments like around no, Oakland. No, or, they're not going to build. So here, here now, here's where I, I guess that's where that's where I'm confused. I'm like, where yeah. where are these nine? Or are they just going to restore nine hundred or preserve? Yeah. yeah. So there's, okay. there's some there's some there's some things. That, so. You know, on site, we want, you know, there's 450 units. Now, yeah, yeah. Many people would go, oh my God, that means there's 2,550, not affordable. I'm like, that's true too. But if you go go talk to somebody that lives in an affordable housing unit and, and let them tell you about what a difference that makes in their family's life. So if you if you just talk to some folks that won one of these affordable housing lotteries, it makes a difference. And I know that from my work with a Baltsy, right? And so I always think about it as every affordable housing unit we can get is, is a bonus. Now, if we need to change our laws so that we require more affordable housing units, that's, that's something to think about. Um, some people would tell you that if we increase that, we end up with getting nothing built. Um, one of the problems with affordable, funding affordable that way is that we get no housing in the middle. And so I think I saw there were no houses, no units permitted or came online last year that were, I think between, that were what they call workforce housing, um, you know, little less than middle income. So 
you know, so so there's an issue. But the, the offside strategy, and here's something that's near and dear to me, um, is creating generational wealth and and attacking the racial equity gap. You know, rent is fundamentally extractive. I don't care how cheap it is, you're paying you're pay, you're paying somebody else's mortgage. You're not building any equity. And the reason that we had so many black folks in West Oakland for so long is that it was overwhelming. There's a great number of homeowners. Mm -hmm. And we saw that in the predatory mortgage crisis, people get cleared out. And so one of the things that I fought for really hard with a couple of other people on the steering committee was for a, for a $50 million fund um, for, to, for you know, ownership, a restoration, rehabilitation, for longtime and displaced Black West Oakland residents. When the term sheet I saw today, it says $50 million for affordable housing. Now, this is one of the ways, one of the things that I talked about that concerns me is that the, the committee had this very specific recommendation and it's already been changed by you know, staff or their council or it's already been changed Yeah, because i thought on july 7th they they actually said something closer to your first exactly what they said yeah yeah okay yeah okay uh, interesting i i didn't really yeah. honestly i didn't even notice that little wrinkle so okay yeah, yeah. so you know, this is my thing so i'm really I'm, so you know just to really quickly the other part of the offsite is if it costs seven hundred thousand to build a new unit whether it's affordable or plush whatever probably plush ones cost more it might cost Four hundred thousand to to buy units that already exist. Five hundred thousand, but the idea would be you could acquire already built units for less than the cost of, of building one, and then okay. so your money goes farther. And so if you go take take some of that IFD money and go buy some buildings or complexes that are offsite, mm -hmm. um, and then make those permanent affordable. I think that's how you get the rest. Okay. But okay. I'm not going to let go of this idea of yeah. you know, there's some old folks around here that need you know, some help with money, when I give them some money to fix up their houses and keep them in those houses so they just can stay in families. Mm -hmm. Like preservation and restoration. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, um, and yeah, what, what do you think people are missing here? I know it's a pretty broad, open-ended question, but what are people not talking about that deserves more attention, you think? Um, well, I think you know, that's that's a really good question. I think there are some nuances here. There's, I think there's some things that people just, I think some, uh, people aren't paying attention to. And whether rightly or wrongly, this just might be um, kind of where I geek out. Um, I'll start with this. This notion, I can't remember if I talked about this notion that, I think you did, this notion that, oh, the Asians are being mean and- Yeah, yeah, we talked about nice yeah, 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 yeah. Let's yeah. get rid of that. This is a business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, one thing that so one thing that didn't so here's something that I that I think about that I talk about um, opening up so the the citizens of the state of California I think by the state constitution we have a right to access our waterways and so I'm like I got a right to access the waterfront at Howard Terminal and so I, it's a it's a environmentally just demand that this community and all of the open communities have access to the estuary at the Howard Terminal property. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, in those pretty pictures that the A's have, be some nice, you know, parks there. And so for me, and for this community, I think taking those 350,000 gate moves or truck entrance and exits to Howard Terminal and moving them down into the port proper, 
or over at the Oakland Army Base site in this multi-story truck parking that's supposed to be built is a win. You know, you could say, if, if, if the, even if the stadium weren't to be built, if we were to move those trucks into the port property and get them away from Market Street and then open up the Howard Terminal to the public, that's a, that's a good thing. And so just the that, um, I think, is big. I don't know how many, how, and I think people are then are generally thinking about um, how much more of an impact this may have on, on the businesses, you know, at Joplin and Square. I think that's important. I think mm -hmm. one of the things that people aren't thinking about in this is just, I don't know how much, how many people have looked at the community benefits from the recommendations. They are so much more broader than what we, you know, usually get. I mean, there's a whole bunch of just is that ex exhibit d is that right in the in the i have to go back and look but i remember i think it's yeah. exhibit d or exhibit e and it's it's yeah it's really lengthy it takes up a couple of pages in the in the term sheet for sure so yeah i can't yeah. remember i know there's something in there yeah. that's the kind yeah. of the guiding principles i don't yeah. even know if the uh the final report is incorporated or not i think there might be drafted in there it's i don't believe though it's an exhibit to the term sheet as a reference it could be in the last one but it's out there um, so yeah. i don't know that people are looking at that i, I just you know I, I don't know to me this is this is why this is a very complicated deal um i don't know that there's very many kind of uh, weird things i'm not saying that right um here's something that i think mm. that is, here's the key thing, and I think everybody knows it's the uh, it's the offsite IFD, right? It's yeah, the offsite sure. infrastructure. Yeah. So it's not going to be an IFD, but I think there, and I think as we heard today, there's potential for lots of funding out there, federal um, and state level. Um, the relocation thing, I guess that's over. I never thought that was an issue. Um, yeah, it could leave. The condos will still be here. They'll still trade. That fee uh, would still come into the. Um, community investment fund. One thing that I don't think Cavill really has pushed back on loudly, but I think it's probably an issue for them, and I don't know, maybe it's not, is that 0.75% additional condo transfer fee, transfer on, top fee of, yeah. on top of the 1.5% that the city and county already charges. Um, so he didn't, he didn't squawk about that loudly. You know? I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if find a reason to squawk about that, but that's kind of something to note. That generates um most it's like 340 million it's like 340 of the 411 million right yeah, i, I want to say something like that it's like it was like pretty much yeah, yeah it was the, like the main revenue stream it seemed like yeah yeah but you know yeah and then you kind of jump on the mainstream and so i think the biggest yeah. thing is people there is this perception of incompatibility uh between the port and uh and stadium and housing and those other uses and we hear a lot of people talking about that i i don't know if i don't know i don't know if it is or not but I know that the port is pushing record volumes. And so that tells me that the port commission and port staff have been doing something right. Mm -hmm. uh, they've grown this port for decades and this is one of the biggest ports in the United States. They appear to know what they're doing. Yeah. And those people that appear to know what they're doing have voted for this thing a couple of times and said, we think there's a way. Now they haven't said yes, but we yeah. think there's a way. And so. I, I would just, that's what I ended up telling people who were like, yeah, all the, all the longshoremen are going to their, lose their jobs. I go, well, if I was in their position, I'd probably scream and say the same thing um, mm -hmm. for because A, I'd probably be scared. That that yeah, because you just don't know. You just don't know yeah. how, it, how it'll be. Yeah. 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 It's a big, it's a good negotiating position. 
um, and it's you know, so I, I get. Uh, on the other hand, we need to have um, somebody who's more, you know, a party that's more objective um, to look at it. And I kind of, I really do think that the port um, is about to determine that. And then with the council, including the seaport compatibility measures, um, to just put that in writing that that needs to be those concerns need to be addressed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think gives me, you know, comfort, uh, you know, that it's just all the bases are covered and everything. Yeah. Okay. How has this affected? I mean, I used to, I think, see you at games and, you know, down kind of near like the right field line and stuff. How has it affected your relationship rooting for the team? Are you still watching today's game and stuff? Like, how is it, man? Oh, you busted me. (laughs) (laughs) I've been, uh, only been to two games this season. Mm -hmm. Um, First, because, you know, I was like, well, you know, minimum, you know, reduced capacity. Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, I don't want to go out there. Um, <laughs> out there. I it wasn't a there. gotcha. This wasn't a gotcha. I'm just curious. Let's see if it's affected your yeah, fandom. You know? it, ha- it, has, yeah. it has affected me. I mean, this was so distasteful. You know, the process with the A's has been, it was so distasteful um, yeah. that I was just kind of like, I, it's just hard for me to get excited. You, you saw know, under the hood. <laughs> yeah. although, although I went out a couple of times. Yeah. This last couple of weeks, you know, with the you know the tweets from the, you know the the mocking tweets from Vegas. I hear the A's are playing in stadium songs about being gone and stuff. You know, in between innings, it's just is it just really made me. I, I have I haven't watched the games in the last couple of days. Oh, it really, just yeah. feels so like, Ugh, and yeah. that's, that's not me. <laughs> For sure, yeah. Well, hey, James Caprillion looks good, man. So, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He might look. Yeah, he might. He might be the guy that uh, you know, wanted Jesus to be. <laughs> I know it's crazy. Honest, dude, that's a good call. Honestly, like, yeah, he he's got a two point five six. I think I saw he's got the lowest ERA for any rookie in the American League. So. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy, yeah, man. But uh, but anyways, man, I know I said we we're going to 8 o'clock. It's a little bit after that. Um, it's been a long day. Um, thank you so much for your perspective, man. I really, really appreciate this time, man. It's, it's great talking with you and uh, just getting your deep knowledge about all this stuff, man. So thank you very much. Yeah, you know, me and my long answers, I'm guaranteed to go, yo. And so I, I think um, <laughs> not the bottom of the ninth. You know, we're more. No, uh, not at all. Yeah. <laughs> more, yeah. I, think, I think, you know, the ref might have just said play ball. seriously yeah yeah. this is like now it's like i I think yeah it's like now we see where both sides stand and now they got to meet in the middle it's like now we just see where both sides are now that's pretty much what it is so yeah the ball is in the age court we're trying to analogy but i I know it was funny man they said they said rooted in oak i I think i heard rooted in oakland a hundred times today something like that like get over it yeah so we'll, we'll see yeah we'll see we'll see what they're gonna do and so you yeah. know expect the a's to go to vegas a lot and just, just they'll just be there tomorrow get, yeah they'll be yeah. there yeah. they're gonna be there tomorrow so i was yeah. like just don't freak out because yeah. i believe there's way more money to be made here that's what i think anywhere too. else and i think they're gonna work it out that's what I th- I'm like. I'm thinking if Fisher's a smart businessman, he's like, "There's where am I going to put a twelve billion dollar, you know, project in Nevada? I don't know. I, maybe he could, but I just feel like this is already here. So it, yeah, it is, 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 does his fellow owners really want him to go back on revenue sharing? They really want to cut another check to a team in Las Vegas. So, yeah. <laughs> Keep opening yeah. the area. Anyway, <laughs> so all right. Well, thank you so much, Dave. I really appreciate it, man. Awesome. Thanks for having me. I appreciate all you, right. bro.